the title of my message was Rolling Away Stones and Changing Lives. And mainly we talked about rolling away stones in people's lives. And in the process, I mentioned that <clears throat> people in the past have often said that we need to enter a float into the Christmas parade here in town. And nobody has ever really taken up the challenge to do that. Uh, but um, pray for the Monroes. <laughs> he, he already secured a trailer. Uh, and um, so, uh, so uh, I, I, think, I think that's awesome. Praise the Lord for that. Um, praise the Lord. Job chapter 1. Um, we're not going to get very far tonight, probably, just a couple more verses. Um, once we get past this initial uh, introduction uh, arena, if you would, of the book of Job, it'll go quickly, I think. I don't know. Uh, it just depends. But one of the great, what I believe to be one of the greatest struggles of life, and I, I don't care who you are, uh, but one of the greatest struggles of life is misperception. Um, misperception is, <clears throat> well, let, let me define it for you. It is a false or inaccurate observation. Okay? Uh, misperception is the source of many uh, broken friendships, is it not? Yes. It is the source of many broken marriages. But unfortunately, it is also the source of many broken lives. Misperception is, simply put, wrong thinking. On Wednesdays, we've been spending several weeks trying to uh, help us understand how to think right and work through the process of right thinking and versus wrong thinking and and <clears throat> I, I, I want to I want to I want to make a statement here that I have made that I, I believe this well well I, I think you'll already know that I believe that this statement is not always accurate and that is perception is reality. Think about this statement for a second. Perception is reality. That, that is true to a point in the sense that oftentimes what people perceive, they believe to be reality. But is that always true? What they perceive is not always reality. <coughs> Now it can be, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I think it was psych psychology, psychi psychology, something today, I, I don't know, one of those websites, <clears throat> I, w I went to their website and was looking to see what they, what they say about misperception, <clears throat> and this is what they said, <clears throat> when truth is blurred in lies and misinformation, perception becomes reality and all is lost. Think about that for a second. 
when <clears throat> when truth is blurred. Now, okay, this is this is psychology today. That's that's that was I believe that was the website. Could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was the website. So this is a secular organization saying this. When truth is blurred by lies and misinformation, perception becomes reality and all is lost. Who is the great liar? Satan is. So what is Satan going to feed every person on the face of this earth? Lies. So as we filter truth and it and it is and I, I like the wording here, and when truth is blurred by lies and misinformation. So when truth is blurred, not when truth is absent, but when truth is blurred by lies and misinformation then perception becomes reality and all is lost. The article went on to say, when people perceive, uh, excuse me, what people perceive is usually what they believe. And this is based on what they hear, see, and think. Most of the time, we cannot control what happens, but we can control our reaction. In other words, what are they saying? <clears throat> Oftentimes, my experience has been that when two people are at odds with each other, what has happened? Misunderstanding, miscommunication, mis. <clears throat> Uh, misrepresentation of truth because one person overhears or sees something and perception, mis, excuse me, misperception kicks in and now they're filtering reality or truth through partial information. And that never, are, well, let me rephrase it, never is a very drastic word. That very seldom comes out good. So, <clears throat> how then, in, in a relational, re relational application, how should we handle information that we see, hear, and, and feel? Go to the source. And most of the time, most of the time, my experience has been that our perception is nowhere close to reality. Okay, so what does this have to do with the book of Job? It has everything to do with the book of Job. There are a few mis- perceptions, if you would, in the book of Job. <clears throat> Particularly one concerning Satan. To understand the book of Job, you need to understand Satan. 
I feel that most people underestimate Satan and his power. They picture him as a little guy running around in a red suit with a pitchfork poking people in the, in the backside. You know, the, the, the cartoon character and, and, you know, sitting on the shoulder. I remember, I think it was Bugs Bunny, you know, had a, had a, a, a little devil on one side and an angel on the other, and they're both, you know, and he's kind of torn. <clears throat> I, I even, and those of you, Joe, you and me are the same age, Brian, okay? <clears throat> did, you, did you have a shirt, a T-shirt growing up in the 70s that said, the devil made me do it. <laughs> I was given one of those. <laughs> yeah, by the devil, yeah. Uh, but those of you that are old enough to understand that phrase, I, I don't know, but I, 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 and this is just me, because if we can make jokes about things that are very serious, then we can damage people's perception of the wickedness of Satan. Can we not? And I think that that catchphrase in that sitcom back in the 70s did a lot to give people a misperception of who Satan is. The, the, the truth is, I chose what I did. And I will be held responsible for that. And the reality is, Job chose to do what he did. And you will choose to do what you will do. Question for you. Can God make us do anything? Okay, He could, but He doesn't. He chooses to allow us to make our own choices. Question. Then why do we think Satan can force us to do things we don't want to do. Think about this for a second. The answer to that is because it's easier to blame than it is to take responsibility. Why was why was that catchphrase in the 70s so so convenient? Because now all of a sudden I don't have to take responsibility. The devil made me do it. I I, I don't know, but I think it was my mom and dad gave me that shirt. I don't know. <clears throat> Job, because <laughs> I got in a lot of trouble. There had to be a reason. <laughs> Job chapter 1, let's read verses 6 and 7. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, 
and from walking up and down in it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for this time together in your word. And Lord, I ask as we look at this very simple two passages here that you would show us much about our own hearts and our own lives. Help us, dear God, to walk with you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, I want to I want to do a little disclaimer here. Uh, as we peel back some of the onion here about Satan, I, I, I do not want you to think that I am in, in, in any way, shape, or form saying that Satan is not a... Uh, um, major player in in our sin life. Okay, that's not what I'm that's not what I'm talking about here tonight. Satan is a powerful foe. In fact, the Bible says here in verse seven, uh, God asked Satan, "Where where have you been?" And he said, "Oh, I've been just going here 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 and there and traveling all around." And my question to you is that he doesn't say this, but what was he doing? Seeking whom he may devour. Satan has not changed. His tactics have not changed. And his, his, his goal for your life has not changed. The title of my message is the the panoramic view, and I, I I wanted to to be a little creative in my title tonight, and uh, and uh, so <laughs> I, I I don't know anyway. Um, God gives us a look into heaven here. That's hence the 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 title tonight. God gives us a look into heaven, uh, and and this is an incredible scene. That, that we often, we read it and we just, we pass right over it. But, but think about this. Let's read, let's read verse 5 again, or, or uh, verse 6 again. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. The very first point tonight is I want to look at the setting. I want to look at the setting. This scene is much like what John describes in Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Revelation chapter 4, 1 through 6 says, "Uh, After this I looked, and and behold, the door was open in heaven. So, So here John is getting to look into heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, It, uh, um, heard was uh, as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit. Behold, a throne was set in, the, in, in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he sat, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardis stone. 
And there was a rainbow round about the throne. Now, I'm going to stop right there. What does a rainbow look like? Okay, it's an arch. How many of you, honestly, how many of you would say a rainbow looks like an arch? Just raise your hand if you think that's what it is. Okay, that's not a rainbow. I, I have talked to many uh, pilots, mo- mostly Navy fighter pilots, who have seen rainbows in flight. Do you know what rainbows really look like? No, they're circles. And, and, they, and, they, and they, are, they are absolutely breathtaking. So the scene here is not, is not a throne with a, an arch over it, but with a, this beautiful circle of a rainbow. Just thought I'd throw that out there. <clears throat> oh, I lost my place. Oh, and um, <clears throat> in sight, uh, like an like an emerald, and round about the throne were forty and twenty seats, <clears throat> and upon the seats I saw uh, four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. And don't ask me who they are, okay? I, I, th- that's not what we're doing. We're not talking about Revelation tonight. Um, uh, clothed in white raiment, and they uh, had uh, on their heads uh, crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders, thunder, thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, <clears throat> and uh, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne were, uh, was a sea of glass, which uh, like unto crystal, in the midst of the throne and round about the throne, were the four beasts full of full of eyes uh, before and behind. And if you go to Revelation uh, uh, chapter four and just keep reading, it's it's just verse after verse and after verse of the same thing. It is this magnificent, magnificent setting of a of a, a an Almighty God. In verse in chapter uh, five of Revelation, it continues. And, and verses 11 and 12, and it says, And behold, I heard a voice of, of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the, and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Now I want to go back because this is important we get this. How many angels were there? In, in, in Revelation chapter, can you put up verse 11 again, please? I think it was verse 11. Yeah, the end of verse 11. It tells us how many angels were there. Thou, 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. How many is that? That's a bunch. Okay, if you were in the South, you'd say that's a whole bunch. That's a, that's a heap. <laughs> okay, in other words, human, humanly speaking, it is unmeasurable. We, we could not count that high. 
Okay, we, we do not have the ability to count that high. And John is communicating here. It's 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands. In other words, it, there were so many, it was, it was incomprehensible. It was more than the sands of the sea. More than the scars in the skies. And, and combined, it was, it was incomprehensible. The number of angels... Now let's go back to Job chapter 1, verse 6. And there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. What was going on? God calls His angels together. Now I don't pretend in any way, shape, or form to understand everything that's going on in this one verse. I don't believe humanly we can. Because, well, one reason, not enough information is given. But I do want to break it down and look at it for just a minute. The first thing I want to, I want to talk about, what is or who are, who was, no, who were, who are the, 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 the sons of God? Okay, who are the sons of God? Okay, I just heard two things. Okay, okay. She said, we are. And then somebody else said angels, right? Okay. Now, it's not us. Okay? And I'll explain why in a minute. It is always, the sons of God in Scripture, are always referred to, uh, is always referring to angels, except for Adam and Eve. To the best of my understanding, and I did a lot of research on this, but to the best of my understanding, the reason why angels are called the sons of God is because why? He created them. Why would Adam and Eve be called the sons of God? He created them. All other mankind was what? Derived from. We were not created by God. That means that all of these angels, these thousands of thousands and thousands of angels, God created each and every one of them. Think, let that process, you see, that, that's why I'm saying we, we have such a hard time comprehending this because our, our little pea brains don't go there. We, we can't imagine even a, the teeniest fraction of what heaven is like. But God created each and every one of the the angels and the seraphims and the cherubims and all of the different types of angels. He created each of them. John chapter 1, verse 12. This is going to what Orlando said. But as many as receive him, to them gave he powers to become what? The sons of God. To become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. We become the sons of God, how? 
through adoption. Not by birth, but by adoption. I, I don't know about you, but I just find that pretty cool. Exodus chapter 2, verse 10. And the child grew, and she brought him unto the, Pharaoh, unto the Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. Legally, what happened to Moses? He got adopted, but what, what did that adoption do? It put him in the, in, in the line for the throne. Because of adoption. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. And having predestinated us unto the adoption of the children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. We are the sons of God by adoption, not by birth. So, in Scripture, whenever it's referring to the sons of God, it's always referring to angels, with the exception of what? Adam and Eve. This is, again, something that... I don't understand. And I, I did a lot of reading trying to figure it out. And I'm going to give you what I found out. And that's a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> In verse 6, it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God, or the angels, came to present themselves before the Lord. What does that mean? They have accountability too. And there was a time. Now, how often does this happen? Every day? Now, again, okay. <laughs> this is this is this this can get this can get really confusing because we think in days, hours, weeks, months, years, that's how we think. That's how God built us. Are there days, hours, weeks, months in heaven? No, it's a timeless eternity. So we ask the question, well, how often does this arrangement take place? I have no answer. Whenever God wants it, I guess. I don't know. You know, he says, hey, y'all come and tell me what's going on. Okay. We're going to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's like, and, and then you, and then you wrap, try and wrap your head around what my, my sweet wife just said. God already knows. Why do I have to report? Because he said to. <laughs> I, you, you know, I mean, there's, there's so much in this one little verse that if you sit and meditate on this, it, it'll, it'll blow you away. There's so much here that we don't know. But it seems like, from if you, at least how I read it, that God gathers his angels together periodically to have them give an account. We honestly don't really know a whole lot more other than that. 
But, and I, I love this word. I love this word. I, and I came up with this word all by myself. Well, I didn't make up the word. But as I, as, as I, was, as I was sitting meditating on it, an anomaly showed up. What's an anomaly? Anomaly. Yeah, what's an, what's an anomaly? Me. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> wow. That, that hurt worse than the, than the uh, croquet thing. I mean, that hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, well, yeah. No, what, what's what? What is an anomaly? Something that doesn't fit. What? Right. Okay. Okay. Something. Something out of the norm. What is the uh, what is the anomaly in verse six? Satan. Now, okay. Oh, it would have to be after. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> okay, now, now, okay. Again, the, you, you know, you got to work through the process here. Okay, and, and this is how my pea brain works, okay? I'm just saying. Here I, I'm envisioning the, the, the description of John, of God sitting on his throne, and in this beauty, all the beauty of, of heaven, and God calls together his countless number of angels. And what does he see? He sees Satan. Yes. Have you... I, I am, I, you know those puzzles, you know those puzzles where you'll, you'll, you'll get a thing about this big and it's full of X's and there's one O in it? I find them like that. Why? Because it doesn't fit. It's an anomaly. And, and that is what's taking place here. And God, now I, I don't know if he says, okay, time out, meeting's canceled, Satan, come here. We don't know what happened. We don't know if the angels reported. Uh, we, we don't know. But Satan and God have a conversation. Point number two. Let's talk about Satan for a little bit. <clears throat> Honestly, what do we really know about Satan? Satan. Okay, the, 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 the truth is most people have a very large misconception of who Satan is. <clears throat> well, he was one of his creations. Okay, um, <clears throat> question. Where do we turn to get information on Satan? Do we go to the Satanic Bible? Is that going to tell us? No. We learn everything we know need to know about Satan right here. Okay? God gives us everything we need to know about him right here. Okay. <clears throat> so, Satan, let me, let me give you the definition of uh, Satan. Is an angelic being uh, 
an, an angelic being uh, who fell from his position in heaven, and he did have a position in heaven due to sin, and is now uh, completely opposed to God, doing all in his power to thwart God's purpose. That is Satan in a nutshell. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 4. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> wow. Isaiah chapter verse chapter 14 verse 12 <clears throat> thou art uh, how art thou fallen from heaven O Lucifer son of the morning okay thus the, the the son of the morning is speaking of what his his beauty okay it, it is a direct pre- reference to to his, his the beauty that God created in him. How art thou cast down to the ground, uh, which did uh, weaken the nations? So we see a couple of things here. Number one, we see his beauty. Number two, we see that he was a created angel. Okay? But we also find out something else, and that is his name pre-fall. Lucifer. Lucifer was his name prior to his sin. There is a passage in Ezekiel, and I want to be careful here because, uh, anyway, there's a passage in, in Ezekiel that describes Satan. The text, the text talks about both human descriptions and angelic descriptions. <clears throat> which would lead us to think that the king of Tyrus and Satan were energized and motivated uh, by the same things. Possibly uh, the king uh, possibly was even possessed uh, by Satan. But the description here that we're going to read is a description of, 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 of Satan. <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12 to 17. O son of man, take up a, a lamentation upon the king of Tyre, and <clears throat> uh, excuse me, Tyrus, and say unto him, uh, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, uh, the garden of God. I, I, I'm going to stop right there for a second. How does God describe the appearance of Satan in the previous verse? Can you go back a verse, please, Chris? The last, the last word. <clears throat> Perfect in beauty. Now, this is Halloween, and by the way, I I hate Halloween. Just for the record, just for, for the record, I think it is a very demonic holiday, and there is nothing fun about it. I'm just saying. But how is Satan usually projected? Not very beautiful, very evil. Okay. Is that true? No. So what happens? Exactly. Exactly. Verse 13. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. 
the sardis, topaz, and the diamond, and the pearl, and the onyx, and the jasper, and the sapphire, and the emerald, and the uh, carbuncle, and, and gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets, and <clears throat> of thy pipes were prepared in the, in the day that thou wast created. Who created him? God did. Verse 14, thou art anointed, uh, excuse me, thou art the anointed cherub. And I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou <clears throat> hast walked up and down in the midst of the, of the stones of fire. Thou hast uh, thou wast perfect in thy way from day uh, from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee by the multitude of thy merchandise they have filled the midst of thee with violence and thou hast sinned therefore I will cast thee as uh, profane out of the mountain of God and will destroy thee, O covering uh, uh, cherub, for the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart is filled, uh, excuse me, thy, thy heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground and I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Satan, everything you read about Satan is his beauty and his pride. Think about that for a minute. His beauty and his pride. What was his downfall? No, it was his beauty. That's what he was proud of. That's what, it, that's what we just read. I'm going to give you another personal thing that I don't like. I don't like beauty contests. Why, why do you think I don't like beauty contests? Well, they're 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 fake, yeah. But it sets it sets young women up for an incredible fall. Because what do men look at? The outward appearance. But what does God look at? The heart. Isaiah chapter fourteen, verses twelve to fifteen. <clears throat> I want you to pay attention specifically to the I wills that Satan uses are, are, are used in reference to Satan. Uh, Isaiah chapter 14, <clears throat> verses 12 to 15. <clears throat> How art thou fallen uh, from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cast down to the ground, which did waken, uh, excuse me, weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, where, where is all this taking place? That what is about to take place is all taking place in the heart of Satan. Thou hast said in mine heart, thine heart, 
I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will set also upon the mount of the congregation in the, the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. So, here we've talked about his pride, his beauty. Let's talk about his current position. Okay, his previous position was the, the chosen cherub. He was, he was the number one angel. Yes. I, I, I knew somebody was going to ask me, but I, I didn't. I, I didn't really. That you have cherubs, seraphims, cher, cherubim, seraphims, and I think there's another type of angel. Um, but anyway, they they have different jobs. Okay, um, some some uh, basically praise God 24/7, if you would, uh, and some uh, come and do His bidding. Okay, so they they have different different functions. Okay, but they. I didn't do that because this is not a study on angelology. This is just on Satan. Okay, there, there is a theology called angelology, and it's the study of angels. And, and we'll do that someday, but th that's not tonight. So his current position was the number one cherub. What is his position currently? He is the prince and the power of the air. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, In whom the God of this world, who is the God of this world? Satan. Hath blinded the minds of them which uh, believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, <clears throat> uh, uh, who is the image of God, uh, should shine unto them. Now, I want, to I want to give you a couple of names. There are several names, but I want to just give you a couple so you kind of understand who Satan is. Revelation, excuse me, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying uh, in, in heaven, uh, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of Christ for the, what? Accuser. It's another name for Satan today is the accuser. And he will stand on your behalf and accuse you before God for everything that you did wrong. And what will Christ do? Christ will be our defender and say, I paid the price. Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. And when the what? Tempter. He's the accuser. He's the tempter. And, and I'm here to tell you, he is the master tempter. He is the tempter of all tempters, <laughs> if you would. Satan is the adversary. Uh, or, or excuse me, the name Satan means adversary. Uh, the one who opposes. Now, I want to very quickly, I want to point out some characteristics that we see in, in uh, <clears throat> chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 7 that we need to be aware of. We, we see here that he is not um, omnipotent. 
Okay, what is what is the word omnipotent mean? Okay, he is all powerful. He is not all powerful. Because if he was all powerful, would he be having this conversation with God? No, he would not. Okay? So he is not omnipotent. He's not immutable. What is it? What is the 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 characteristic of immutability? Okay, it means that he it is unchangeable. But Satan changes, does he not? We also know that he is not omnipresent. What is what is omnipresent mean? Okay, everywhere all at the same time. Is God omnipresent? Yes. Is Satan omnipresent? No. He can only be one place at a time. But he's got a lot of helpers. Okay? Just a little side note. We often blame Satan for things in our lives, do we not? I'm here to tell you, chances are like really, 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 really good it wasn't Satan. Because he's not omnipresent. If it was a demonic influence, it was one of his little minions. Because I guarantee if it was Satan himself, you would never have survived. Does that make sense? He gets blamed for a lot that he doesn't do. Just saying. He's not omniscient. What does omniscience mean? He's not all-knowing. He has no clue of what you're thinking right now. Now, he's smart enough to anticipate what you're thinking, and 99% of the time he's going to get it right, but he doesn't know. He is not omnipotent. He is not uh, immutable. He is not omnipresent, and he is not omniscient. But he is the master deceiver. And he has the ability to imitate every one of the characters of God. Satan is not equal with God. There are not two little gods running around in competition together. Now, I want to, I want to, because this is really the crux of the, the entire service tonight. The book of Job is more about the power and the goodness of God than it is the power and evilness of Satan. How do we typically view the book of Job? We usually do it just the opposite. We see the power and the evilness of Satan. But that is not what the book of Job is about. It is more about the power and the goodness of God. And way too often, why, why, okay, why do you think we look at it that way more, more often than not? Okay, because the way we think is usually to the negative. We very seldom think to the positive. 
And God wrote and allowed the book of Job to be in the canon of Scripture so that we could see his goodness and not the wickedness of Satan. I do have some good news. Satan will be bound at some point. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beasts and the false prophets are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Praise God for that. You know, the truth is, I've read the end of the book. And guess what? We win. (laughs) Now, is there going to be some fights along the way? Absolutely. And I believe that's why the, the book of Job is here. Is so when the fights come, we're prepared. Do not underestimate. Just because Satan is not omnipresent uh, and, and he's not omnipotent and he's, and he's not uh, uh, immutable and, and all of these things doesn't mean he isn't powerful because he is. And he is roaming the earth today seeking whom he may devour. And his little minions are doing the exact same thing. But if we understand the strategy, then we can we know how to how to fight, if you would. How to live our lives. So what do we take away from tonight? Hopefully you take away that the more you choose to walk with God, the more victories you'll have in your life. It's really that simple. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you.